It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to our favorite Friday morning recorded Thursday Pirates YouTube show on the Post-Gazette Sports Network. I'm Jason Mackey alongside Andrew Destin and we have a lot to discuss uh, about these guys as the season winds down. Andrew, I've been through a few of these now um, and, and I always find this time of year very odd. Um, you know, when you know the team's not going to the postseason, you're trying to at least for me sort of wring every last bit of baseball out of this that you can. I know your efforts now become split with a little bit and the, the Pirates and the Penguins starting up and, and whatever. But I don't know. What sort of last month storylines have you sort of been encouraged by, been thinking about? Um, what's still pertinent with this team, in your opinion? Yeah, what still hangs on my mind so much, and right, this is kind of going general and then I'll narrow it out. But I mean, it's still the development of the young guys, right? It's what are you getting from the rookies? What are you seeing from that end? But I think if I'm going specifically, there's a couple of things that stick out, right? It's uh, one to me is, I, you know, I'm just continually watching Henry Davis in right field, whether that's a couple of days ago, having the strong throw home that maybe was a little bit up the line and couldn't get the guy at home. But like, would love to keep seeing what you get out of Henry Davis in right field, because that's a huge storyline for 2024 is, you know, where do you play the number one overall pick? Um, watching Endy continue to develop defensively behind the plate um, yeah. with what he's doing with receiving and calling games. So um, maybe it's a little nuanced by me, but I just I, I want to keep seeing these guys develop defensively and see if they can stick it at their positions. So I think that all goes really into the jigsaw puzzle of what does a 2024 every day or most days lineup look like, right? And I know you and I have talked about yeah. a lot of Derek Shelton shifting things up, but at some point, um, you need some constants or uh, constants, and it seems like those are a couple of guys that could be, but it's really, uh, you know, contingent on their development, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get more into that. And we're brought to you as always. I, I skipped this part at the beginning and I never should um, because they're so gracious and so great to us, but brought to you as always by the North shore Tavern. If you love baseball, you will love the North shore Tavern, the interior it's wall to wall pirates. There are appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and of course, steak and seafood on a sizzling lava stone. Open every day at the North Shore Tavern across from PNC Park is Pittsburgh's home for Steak on a Stone. Andrew, by the way, um, we need to find some time in the offseason. I was on here talking with Fort about this um, to go down there, watch some playoff baseball. Um, uh, Fort and I, th I think, are going to put together a bracket um, okay. of some sort for, for some baseball folks to get into and just sort of make that a thing. So put that on your radar. Ask Mr. Yeah. Vensel for some, for some days off over in the <laughs> hockey world. Let me see if I can swing a Friday or Saturday for some yes. postseason play. We'll pencil that in. It's in the calendar now. So I am. I was so bummed. I was talking to Ford about this yesterday, about um, last year. And, you know, we were sort of experimenting with the senior sports writer role. People have you know, probably noticed, like, last year I kind of tailed off with baseball. And as a result, like, I'm over at Pitt, Steelers, a little bit of Penguins startup. And I missed, like, all of postseason baseball. And so I've just been kind of – yearning for that i love it i love the the fall and get to watch the i mean obviously it would be better if the pirates were in it and we were still working and covering it but right. being as things are um i'm really excited for that so anyway north shore tavern i think is going to be a really excellent place to do that we will get there uh back to your point though uh, about the remaining month i think a lot of those are very much on track um i don't know how much of that is salvageable though 
And I don't mean that in a critical way, but what I'm thinking about when I say that is like, you know, Andy, it's kind of been a meh offensive season. Henry, it's kind of been a meh season overall. Um, I think he needs a lot of time in the offseason to figure out right field. I think right now his hand is giving him issues to the point that it's affecting play. Um, we saw him last night. I thought the key at bat of the game, uh, working when not a nine-pitch walk, I keep thinking this, the walk was the next at bat, but that two-run single to right field, nine-pitch at bat, really great job by Henry. I felt like that's one of the things that really turned things around against Justin Steele. Like, that's the kind of stuff you can get out of these guys. Think about this. I was thinking about this this morning, Andrew. They're two top prospects. Like, the two guys before this season that were, like, going to be the thing. We're both catchers. And we're both, like, offensively gifted. They've really gotten nothing from either one of those guys offensively this season. Imagine if you get that for next year. Imagine if the Pirates come back in 2024 and you've got O'Neill Cruz – You've got a productive key Brian Hayes. You've got a productive Brian Reynolds. I think to your point, Pagaro has looked very good. And I would I would feel comfortable putting him in the lineup. And then you add like an actual bat with Endy or Henry, coupled with Endy's defense. Man, I'm I'm really liking the look of that. Yeah, it's very much a legitimate lineup. And it's like people ask, okay, what do you look at as reasons they could get to or above 500? It's like those are the reasons right there. That's yep. an extra six to eight to ten wins in theory, and that's not even touching or delving into the pitching dynam- dynamics. Is just if you have a couple of those constants, and right, these are a couple of those are a little bit of ifs, right? Like Brian Hayes, the offense he's shown the last month, two months, yeah, it's been better than it was the previous two seasons. But like, what reason do I have to believe that should he stay healthy, knock on wood, that that can't continue, or that Brian Reynolds can can keep hitting at his career clip, or that O'Neill Cruz can come back and be a twenty twenty five home run guy, like? These are all projectable things, but to your point, it's like you got to add a couple other elements, and I think that's what this is all about the last couple of weeks, which, yeah, uh, you know, talking about Henry, that's something that probably is a little bit more offseason related than getting more reps on a Thursday night in right field is like right. spending, <laughs> spending months like really honing in on that spot, but like all of this matters, and I think that's a key thing to take away is that, yes, these games aren't September baseball when you're a game and a half out of a wild card spot, but it still matters, and I think there's still a lot to take away from it because you are plugging and filling in a couple of other holes with who you think to be cornerstone pieces, or is it time to try other people? I'm not jumping to that conclusion yet, but like these sure. are important games for that purpose. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's what we're here for. Um, I think they're also here to just spoil some people's fun, and that's a good time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, yes, you would like the Pirates to be contending. I think everybody, uh, you know, every fan out there would would realize that, and I. I still think you can deem this season a success and and we'll get to that. That's more of a bigger picture specific to the pirates, but I think it's kind of neat going in, in, into Chicago and seeing how they fare in, in this type of atmosphere. You know, I can't wait to get to Cincinnati, the trip after this, the reds are fighting for their lives. Wild card spot, how that's going to go. You know, Philadelphia has been one of the best teams, period. How are the pirates going to handle that? I, you know, it's a nice, productive end to the season that I think is going to teach this group some important lessons. That was actually a conversation topic with Derek Shelton before the game on Tuesday. And, and we've seen varying degrees of success with it, right? Like it Tuesday wasn't great. You know, you, you realize leaving pitches up lead off walks, they're going to kill you. And the pirates learned that lesson. They learned another lesson about every day is a new day in baseball. Uh, you know, as bad as Tuesday was, they turned it around for Wednesday and played exactly the way they should. 
I, you know, I just think these are important experiences for this group to go through. But I'm still looking at individual performances and how guys fare. Um, you know, and, and with a lot of the stuff we're saying, I, I like where things are trending. The one area, and we're going to get into this now because Fort and I didn't, and I, I want to get your thoughts on it too. The starting pitching, it, it, that's the part that needs solved here. And I don't see totally where it's coming from. I, I know that they need it. Um, I know they don't have it, at least enough of it, or you know, I'd like them to supplement. Will they supplement? Just how do you see, you know, as you stack out the rotation for 2024, I see Keller, I see Oviedo, I see Skeens eventually. Between that, where do you go? Oh, I mean, there's just so many questions. And I think, like, to answer your point uh, quickly, like, I think a nice answer would be, okay, a healthy JT Brubaker, right? A healthy, potentially yeah. brought back Vince Velasquez. Maybe it's a healthy Mike Burroughs. But maybe that's like Quinn- June, July. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem is that, like, all of these things are nice problems to have, quote unquote, in theory, if everybody were healthy. But yeah. people aren't healthy, some are ineffective, and some are guys who aren't on contracts, right? Like Vince Velasquez has to be re-signed. If you, we can't assume that Vince Velasquez is back, though most indications, at least from my standpoint, would seem based on what he's said and what the Pirates have said, like he would be a guy that would make sense to bring back. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. To answer your question, yeah, I don't know how you fix this. Like I don't know what you do come you know April 1st or the end of March when they're starting the season in Miami. I don't know who's starting – the fourth game of a series to open the year. Yeah. And that's a very legitimate question. That's a very legitimate concern. And oh, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know if that's uh, calling somebody up earlier than they're ready, or if that's doing what they did this off season with signing yeah. Rich Hill, signing Vinny. Like, I don't know. They're, which way would you go about that? Is that you bring the young bucks up earlier? I think I'd probably go the external route. And that's, yeah. that's sort of where I'm going with this point. Like you can look at the rest of September and, I mean, I like Quinn Priester, and I think he'll probably figure it out. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and bash him, and it's not about him. But can I feel like I can set him down in stone in my rotation for 2024 based on what I've seen right now? No. Luis Ortiz, can I feel like I can set him down in my rotation for 2024, feel good about it? No. And I, we're so late in this thing, I don't, I'm not sure anything Rowanzi Contreras would do up here would make me feel differently about it. Now, Again, I think those kids may figure it out, but I'm trying to look at this and say, how do they get the best possible rotation in April or May? Because we know there aren't reinforcements coming until midway through the year. So at that point, I think about it's almost it almost has to be external, right? It's not like, you know, you can't grab Jared Jones and say, hey, you're coming up here and you're going to be our number three. Like, that's not fair to him. That's not going to work out terribly well or the odds of that hitting are not terribly great. I should say it that way. Like, you know, I've been really impressed with Bubba Chandler, Salamedo. Um, you know, Skeens is going to be up here. It's not like they have arms. I'm not talking longer term. I'm talking like April, May, April, May, June. Um, and at that rate, like I, I think about what they're going to do this offseason. And I just don't see any other way other than addressing starting pitching via free agency. And if there's a limited amount of money, which, you know, let's be realistic about their spending habits, like they're not going to spend out the you know what they're going to have to be targeted ads and so i'm i'm thinking about well you know you need to do something at first base you know you need to do something in the pitching staff like if there's a cheaper option at first base i've sort of talked myself into over the past couple of days like fine take the cheaper option i don't need like the premium offensive war player there i guess i can 
you know, feel okay about what we're talking about with Hayes, Cruz, Reynolds, some of your homegrown guys, you know, bring Carlos Santana back for a bit of a discount and take that money and spread it, dump it into pitching. Because I really do think, Andrew, I mean, I, I just, I, I would have ideally liked to have seen some growth on the pitching end, but I don't know if I feel enough, I see enough to say like, oh, I can save money there right now. Yeah. And it's the, I think the question becomes how many guys do you go external for, right? Like last offseason, what if I'm remembering this correctly, it was just Hill and Velazquez, right? For guys that they got outside. So that's yep. two. Do you do three? Like, I, well, I don't know. Well, Garcia, too, if you want, yeah. if, we're, if we're talking starting pitching, but pitching right. period. At sure, yeah. So, yeah. So, pitching in general, you go three with Garcia. If you're just doing starters, it's two. Like, I look at it, you outlined it right there with the potential of a schemes later. But, like, right now, there's two guys you feel confident about. Does that and lead you to go out and get three arms? <laughs> like, I, I don't know if that capital is there, but like, how do you address it? Like, what would be what would be the way of going about that? Right? Am I nuts for thinking they need two? I, I don't, I think, don't so. think I am. No, not at all. Um, you know, I I think what I would where where I'd like to go is like they need to sign somebody for a multi year extension. They the, the, to me that's the next step on this like growing path. You know, we've talked about like a long term contract. Hey, now there's two long term contracts now. You know, you're probably things you should be looking at or maybe, you know, trading prospects out in, instead of acquiring prospects, you know, trying to figure out a targeted need. And maybe that happens with one of these things. I don't know. But, you know, I would I think an important box to check on their list of like being a legitimate contender and in, in growing this thing up is getting a guy on a multi-year extension. Anyway, I say that to say, like, if you give me two ads and one is like, a, we're not really, this isn't a, a, a we're going to give you starts to rehab guy. This is like a legitimate, you're, you know, number two behind Keller, something like that. You know, that that would be fantastic. And then if the other guy is a typical Pirates prop, prop, project, project, yes. Project. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why that was so difficult for me to say to understand. But like I threw out the name of Sean Manaya, And that's somebody I look at that has a, like left-handed past performance could use the opportunity you know relegated to a bullpen role right now probably wants to start again can start has started that's somebody i look at as a project um so i mean that's kind of where i want them to go this offseason get me a legit guy on a multi-year deal and then you can do a, a project almost like they did last year i would just be shooting a little higher than rich hill but they have to help the rotation yeah, Manai is an interesting name you bring up there because when I watch him pitch, you know, on a fairly frequent basis, just because of being with the Giants, it's like that's a guy who, in a lot of ways, projects similarly similarly to what Bailey Falter has done for the Pirates. Uh, you know, a guy who's yeah. an interesting delivery, low nineties, but kind of has that low three quarters slot. Like, I feel like with the Pirates, he could be really interesting because you know Bailey Falter hasn't been perfect since they acquired him, but he's been somebody that I know we haven't talked about a ton on this show, but like he's shown some positive signs. He's had some bad outings too, but like. He could be of a similar mold to that. And, yeah. you know, you could pair guys like that or have an opener for them, which I'm not saying that should be on a regular basis as one of your five starters, but like Manaya could be an interesting addition. That that's and that's a low cost move. You know, that yeah. could be a guy. So interesting. Well, and I mean that they've kind of got a type, right? Like in twenty twenty one was Tyler Anderson, twenty twenty two was Jose Quintana, um, twenty twenty three it was Rich Hill, and, and they kind of did the the rehab stuff with Velasquez. But I mean Manaya would make a ton of sense. It really would like, you know, left. I don't want to call soft tossing lefty, but you're right. Like there's a little bit more funk and deception to the delivery as opposed to velocity. And they just need guys who are looking for opportunities. So, yeah, I think that's that's something to keep earmarked. 
I think we're going to spend a decent amount of the offseason worrying about that. So, okay, let's move on. We've got a couple interesting pieces coming up this weekend, and I don't want to spoil them because one of them is not mine, but I wrote something sort of going off of that. Um, Ron Cook is doing something on his um, like top 10, it might be top 13, you know, moments from this past season. And so, like, I was going back and forth with Ron a little bit, and there's some interesting moments I think you guys are going to be, um, you'll enjoy reading about them. And that's the, you know, that that's the good side of a 162 game baseball season. Like they're going to produce some magic. It's also going to produce some crap, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be honest about this. Um, and so I decided, I, I emailed Ron. I'm like, I wonder if I could come up with equal, an equal number of bad moments for the pirates. And, and I could, um, I know the pessimists out there and be like, well, of course you can pirate. You know, of course you're all bad moments, but like, you know, get out of your own head. Um, so yeah, there's there's some you'll you'll be reading about plenty of really good moments and plenty about really bad moments. But Andrew, you've been prepped for this a little bit. Um, let's go the the blind man's approach here. What okay. what would what would be your best moments and worst moments from this season off the top of your head? And and the, the cheat or the the t- I feel like the worst moment is pretty easy. Okay. Um, well, I'll start off with best moment then, because I need to think. I think I know what the worst moment is. I'm pretty sure it was one that took place early in the season. That's all I'm going to tip my hand with. Um, yeah. But, okay, we're on the right track. rocket surgery. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, for best moment, this one that just in light of uh, what we saw, you know, last night, or I guess it would be Wednesday night in Chicago, um, you know, the development of Mitch Keller, but in specific, a moment I'm going to turn to, um, was May 8th against the Rockies when he threw the complete game shutout. Mm. That, that was one that stood out to me is like, you know, I'm not going to say this is for my first year, obviously covering the Pirates, uh, first year covering Mitch in any capacity. And as a baseball fan and somebody who just observed the game from afar, like knew what Mitch was about, knew what he did in the second half of 2022 and had a great start to April. But that May 8th start against the Rockies kind of solidified to me that like, oh, this is somebody they can build around and is very much legit. Yeah. Like, and I know it's the Rockies. I know it was a May night, cold, whatever, all that. Perfect game, or not perfect game, complete game shutout still. That means something, especially in today's game. So that was, like, yeah. one of the best moments that stood out to me. Um, you could go back to April as, as for a number of them. But uh, for the one that stands out as the worst moment, though, of course, uh, for the Pirates, I have to go back to O'Neill Cruz sliding at home plate, um, fracturing yeah. the left fibula. That stands out to me as the worst moment. Sounds yeah, like you got that one right. <laughs> yeah, you got that one right. You got that one right. That was that was one that Ron and I both agreed on. And I'm not going to spill any of the list on the I mean, it's not my story. And, you know, you should read it anyway um, about the, the best moments. And I think a lot of that is open to individual interpretation. But I agree with you on the Mitch Keller thing. That was certainly one of the highlights um, for me. And as far as the worst ones, some of them that stand that stood out to me, like stuff when I think about and I I think this, too, is part of like covering this stuff and being around it all the time. Like you get a feel for how things are like the frustration level and, you know, just how miserable, like, and and honestly, what got me thinking about it was the first game of this series, 14 to one loss. Um, I haven't been in many more depressed clubhouses than that. That was very much like a get what you get out. And then like, you know, you know, you ain't getting water from a stone. Um, And, and, you know, there've been a couple others uh, like that, but one that I go back to is Tampa. Um, and that was a huge, I think, turning point for me. Um, unfortunately, I mean, like we went in that series. I was on that trip and we're in Washington talking to Ben Charrington about how great things are and, and pirates. And, and there's like 
national writers like descending on the pirates because they've become this fantastic story and oh the best team in the nl matching up with the best team in the al and this that and the other and the rays offense pirates pitching and 28 and how's this gonna go um and they go into tampa and tropicana field and it's just a total disaster just a total disaster you lose lose three games um vince velasquez goes down with the right elbow injury the first time um it just it, it never seemed like it was the same from there. So that was that was something I wrote about. There's been a few losses that stuck out to me. Uh, I'll let you read the piece to to figure that out. But you know, just some decisions, some late game stuff that hasn't really been good. One I forgot about. Remember when Shelty, Oscar Marine, and Don Kelly all got thrown out of the same game? <laughs> yeah. no that, that escaped me. Um, I don't even know if that belongs on a list of like the worst moments because I actually think that's hilarious, but I don't know. I, they, they also lost the game in the 10th, so that's kind of like an insult to injury kind of deal. Um, but, yeah, it's just some uh, some stuff to think about as we as we near the end. It's not too much left and, you know, makes you makes you think about this whole season. Yeah. Atop maybe the most confusing moments, at the very least, for Don, Oscar, and Shelty all getting thrown out. That should be the confusing moments list. I mean, I I've know. never seen Don Kelly mad. Nope. He's the nicest person ever. <laughs> and and it's, the congratulations. Somebody irritated him. I, I'm still not convinced, but anyway, that was that was a trip. Okay, let's wrap up with this. You're going to have a very interesting you, – you did Tamar Johnson this week, which I still have not read. I'm sorry. And, and oh, uh, No problem. Re- viewers, listeners, be better than me and check out Andrew's Pirates Pipeline catching up with Tamar Johnson, obviously an important player in the system. I will check that out after we're done, I promise. Um, but you're going to do a season wrap thing on minor league stuff, superlatives. Um, what are some things sticking out in your brain right now about that? Well, we talked, or you talked about him earlier in the podcast, Bubba Chandler. Um, he's mm-hmm. a guy that really stands out to me as just what an interesting story, right? And I, I chatted with him, I think it was at the beginning or middle of April, maybe end of April, something like that. Um, when we was asking him about, like, what's it like, because for those of you who haven't read about him or aren't familiar with Bubba, right, this is a guy who could have played quarterback at Clemson out of high school. The Pirates signed him over slot and was a two-way guy, right, as a pitcher and could have done it also as an infielder. They let him try that out for the first year, and then this season said, okay, we're focusing on pitching. And at first, that did not go great for Bubba, right? He had this free time that he wasn't used to, um, yeah. hadn't really figured out how to become a pitcher yet. And then the second half of the season just totally locks in, figures it out in Greensboro, gets himself bumped up to Altoona by the end of the season just for a spot start there, shoves in the one start. I think it was five innings, nine strikeouts, scoreless, something like that. Like, he's somebody that to me, like, I was a little concerned about for the Pirates' sake at the beginning of the year of, like, is this somebody who's maybe not going to figure it out? Is he this toolsy guy who isn't quite there? Um, He would be my, like, highest riser or, you know, biggest improvement, biggest jump, whatever you want to call it. He's up there with like a Jared Jones of most intriguing prospects who have really taken a big leap this year. Um, and then for like a minor league MVP, I mean, he would be somebody that's on that list. And Anthony Solomeno is another one. Uh, the hitting is something that I think is a little bit more of a concern. And I'm going to have to dive into that more so of like, what do the Pirates have beyond Tamar Johnson in terms of like projectable hitters that they like in the system? Uh, but in terms of pitchers, those are the big three arms that, you know, schemes aside that come to mind for me. And Chandler was just really impressive this season of what he did after what at the beginning was such a rotten season. Talk yeah. about turning it around, right? Yeah, that was fun. I didn't expect that much. It just kind of worked out good timing when I went to Altoona to, to do like a season wrap with Skeens that Bubba was there. And then, you know, he finishes with what, five, takes a perfect game into the fifth inning or something like that. I mean, 
what a what a fun personality, man. Like I, yeah. I just I like him a lot. Um, obviously, can throw the ball well and is is pitched really well this season. But that's what I meant earlier about like pitching long term. I don't really worry about this organization finding stuff. Like I think they're going to yeah. be fine. I just I worry about pitching now and and what they're going to have. Um, you know, or I shouldn't say pitching now, but pitching in April, May, that sort of thing. So. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing the superlative piece. I think that's an important one, and I think it's good to sort of step back and um, look at some of these guys and, and frankly, what what they've become and, and you know, <laughs> setting it up for next year and who can we potentially expect. I looked in the notes. I don't know if I'm going to grab this or not. 14 players have made their MLB debuts this season. That's kind of wild, man. The Reds are the only MLB team to have more players make their debuts this season with 16. and. I think it'll probably continue, right? Like if yeah. you look at guys that can make it up here next year, I mean, Chandler might be really young solo. Is he one? I don't know. I mean, Jared Jones, if he doesn't get up here, he's certainly somebody. And, you know, I don't know if I'm going to expect 14, but it's, um, yeah, there's been a lot going on in the minor league system and they've got, got some guys up here who are very, you know, some guys on the way who are very interesting. Chang is somebody that really intrigues me. Like his, you were talking a little bit about this, but, you know, his combination of defense, power, base running, that sort of thing is um, you know, position versatility. You can go a couple different places. Um, so be interesting to see what they have there. Yeah, you mentioned Chang. I mean, that's a guy who's like we always talk about, like, you know, best shape of my life season and stuff like that. When guys say they add like 10 pounds of muscle, no pounds of fat. But like Sung Chi Chang over the last two, three years of being in the Pirates org, like he has put on 20 pounds and it is noticeable yeah. <laughs> like when, when you're at that frame and you're that built that size like it's noticeable and he's somebody who's really interesting because you know we've talked about like jared triolo is potentially could become a like a utility guy or super utility guy for the pirates like i look at chang as give it a couple of years maybe not next season but the beginning of the year after like that could be a really fun guy to move around the infield and do a lot of the things that like g1 bay does but also like hits for an insane contact rate and walks yeah. a ton so that's no slight on G1 Bay, but like of a similar ilk of like can do a lot of different things, has some great speed, really fun guy. Uh, you touch on him. Good, good for that. Good on that. Cause I almost missed him. <laughs> yeah. Who's your sleeper? Who's somebody like, you know, people know Bubba Chandler because he's part of that 2021 draft. Who's somebody who has intrigued you um, to the point maybe you didn't know about him before or just somebody we should all sort of pay attention to? Yeah, one name that kind of comes to mind, and this isn't the most heralded of prospects, and there's a couple that I'll probably dive into too, like a Jack Brannigan who really developed into that power, um, or like a Jace Bowen who got himself up to double A. Both guys really have some strong bats that I'm curious what we get from them in 24. Um, but I go to the pitching side in Altoona with a couple of guys that aren't going to, you're not going to see them on the top 30 prospect lists or anything like that. Um, Sean Sullivan and Aaron Shortridge Ooh. were both guys who, in starting roles, healthy, Shortridge coming off the TJ, I think, from last season. And then Sullivan just, like, making the most of a starting role. Sullivan was, like, arguably the best or one of the best pitchers in the Pirates org last year. Expect both those guys to be in AAA. I don't know that they're anything more than potential bullpen arms in the bigs, but, like, those are guys who had really solid seasons. And I'm curious what you get out of them in AAA. And I guess, as I mentioned those two, um, Braxton Ashcraft comes to mind, too. That's a guy who really ascended and maybe is a little bit of a sleeper because he had a lot of injuries at the beginning of his minor league career. Now healthy. He was awesome. Like now it has uh, really kind of developed into that guy who's healthy. He can show what he can do, but he hasn't been lengthened out yet because he's coming off the TJ. So I'm really curious what you get from those guys. So 
I guess the short way of saying it is the Altoona Arms have me interested. The curve got yeah. the curves in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of intriguing arms. Like I, I forced me to pull up my pipeline list, but like Thomas Harrington is another yeah. one I think about. Hunter Barco, another kid post TJ that you know is probably going to be a little conservative. Jackson Wolf, I, I should have remembered that and, and mentioned that right off the hop. The the primary piece in the Rich Hill and, and G Man Choi trade. I mean, they've added some nice arms here. They really have, and that's it's not something that I'm concerned with. Uh, Lonnie White Jr. is just a name that I see that, you know, I think about there was so much promise, and he's finally getting to um, some of that power athleticism that I think the Pirates, you know, originally imagined. But Matt Gorski is somebody that's flown under the radar a little bit, but since he's come up to AAA, man, man he's been good. It's been really good. So anyway, some positive stories. Um, we will dig into that. They usually do the Pirate. I don't know if they're going to redo this, but – um, like a postseason awards wrap up kind of thing, player of the year, uh, manager of the year, that sort of pitcher of the year um, gives a nice other uh, superlative touch and a way to sort of catch people up with that stuff once the season ends. So anyway, we will dig into all of that. There's another game tonight. Um, obviously, that's not going to be you're, you're going to watch this on Friday morning. We're not going to be able to recap that, but make sure to check out my coverage post Gazette.com as well as the pieces we referenced earlier. Andrew, thanks so much for Joining me, I know you're full steam ahead with Penguins, but squeezing it just a little bit of Pirates still. Yeah. You're getting the last inches out of me. We, it's, I got Bucktober fever, but you know they, maybe the Pirates don't. So I'd stick with it if I could. They just got to hold up their end of the bargain and you know, finish out with a win the rest of the way and uh, make the postseason, get that final wildcard spot, right? Next year, pal. Next year. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's going to happen next year, but I think it's at least they can you know, have the discussion and not get laughed at. So anyway – Please help us out, like, subscribe, uh, do all that stuff. Uh, we have regular programming here all week, multiple times throughout the day, all kinds of sports. Um, always enjoyable to talk Buccos with Andrew, and uh, we'll do it at least one more time next week. And thank you for watching. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post Gazette.